Hello and welcome to episode 42 of Spooky Girls, the podcast where we explore all sorts of real life paranormal and creepy occurrences. From ghost sightings and hauntings to reported alien and cryptid encounters, myths, folklore, legends and more. Every episode we cover a different true spooky story. We're your hosts. I'm Katrina. And I'm Jasmine. Hello guys and hello Catty. We are working with an insane delay today thanks to my patchy as fuck Wi-Fi. Yeah. Yeah. So gonna be fun to edit this time (laughs) yes it will be but that's all jasmine's problem for this episode that is my problem anyway kathy how are you tell me what's been up it's been a while since we've recorded an episode actually i'm all right um yes it has been so we have both been pretty ill and so we recorded one episode about two weeks ago and that's how long it's taken me to edit it because I was in bed for a week. But yeah, I can't wait to hear what this one's about, Jasmine. Well, so um, this episode, it's more of a sort of local legend around a true crime here in Hong Kong and it's one which I'd never heard of and um, which which I think will definitely be of interest to you and our lovely, lovely readers. Readers, I mean listeners to you and our lovely listeners readers readers i don't know oh you know what it's 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 been a day it's been an absolute day i i'm quitting my job on friday which i'm very excited to do so <gasps> really i'm so excited oh my god but, but uh, what are you gonna do i don't know just find another one i just don't, don't want to do it anymore time to find a job that doesn't make me want to jump out of the 28th floor window Woohoo. Yay. Congratulations, Jasmine. Thank you. Um, so if anyone knows anyone who's looking to hire a slightly manic five foot three uh child in Asia, um, please sponsor me via PayPal. And <laughs> but yeah, anyway, I'm very, very happy, which means I'll have more time to put into like the podcast and other things that I do as well. I do a lot of writing and crap. Ah. And, you know. Hopefully I'll find something else in the next couple months before my money runs out. That'll be really fun. (laughs) So we will see. Watch this space. So that was my day. And um, I actually wrote up this this story while I was at work. So, you know, there are some good things about my job, such as how I, I can literally do my own thing. And they won't even care that I'm Googling a really grisly murder. Which is which is kind of <laughs> it's, it's very nice of the firewall to let me do this. Uh, without further ado, I've called this episode the Sweeney Todd of Macau. Oh, my sources are Wikipedia, CrimeTimeBlog.net, True Crime Asia, and Plataforma. Oh, no. oh, bless you, whoever that was. Oh no, that was Billy. Oh, I thought that was a person. No, no, no. I'm very sorry if you hear any whining or barking or anything. It's just my two little dogs because um, my family have gone out. So they're just yes. stood at the front door waiting oh. because I'm not good enough for them. Because separation anxiety runs in the family, you see. Yay. Now, we've all heard the legend of Sweeney Todd dubbed the Demon Barber of Fleet Street, who terrorised Londoners in the 1800s on a merciless quest for revenge, 
resulting in gushing carotid arteries aplenty and suspiciously tasty meat pies generating booming business for the baker beneath his shop. Though a deliciously terrifying character, Sweeney Todd is, essentially, just a fictional character, lifted from the pages of a penny-dreadful saga in Victorian Britain. However, in the former Portuguese colony of Macau, a bustling coastal state on China's southern border, a very real, bloodthirsty avenger was to captivate the imagination of Macanese citizens as a grisly murder plot sent the rumour mill spinning. This ten-person homicide case in 1985 is known simply as the Eight Immortals Restaurant Murders, or, more curiously, the Pork Bun Murders. So you can see where I'm going with this. I love pork buns. Yes, good old Cha Bao. Sorry, I might have to ruin them for you now. Aww. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Any lovers, any lovers of dim sum, please turn off this podcast now. I'm very sorry. I love dim sum so much. Trigger warning. <laughs> You've been given your trigger warning. I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. Can I leave the podcast? No. <laughs> can you at least, if you leave, can you at least send me Billy? Can, Aww, can I, Billy. I don't mind reading to Billy. Okay. okay. My little piggy baby. Okay. So. When Street Hawker... Jung Lin established the Eight Immortals restaurant in the 60s, he hoped to continue growing his family business alongside his wife. The restaurant generated a humble yet steady income for the couple, which would have been enough to live on if it weren't for their crippling gambling addiction. Macau, known as the Las Vegas of Asia, had a thriving and dark underbelly even then. The streets teemed with gangsters who were members of rival triads, extorting those already mired in debt with high-interest loans which incapacitated them. Jung made one such mistake when he entered a high-stakes bet against Huang Ji Heng, an acquaintance from the Macanese gambling scene. Huang, who was born on the mainland and later emigrated to neighbouring Hong Kong, was already wanted by the Hong Kong police for the murder of another man following a gambling dispute. After fleeing to mainland China, he went so far as to have his fingerprints burned off in order to evade the police upon his return. He eloped with his wife, the daughter of his landlord, to Macau, and quickly became a prominent loan shark in the gambling scene. Huang won a bet against the penniless Zheng, totaling at 180,000 Macanese pataka, which is about 200,000 US dollars. As Zheng could not afford to pay up, the two men entered into a verbal contract. Zheng and his family would relinquish the eight immortals to Huang, signing the mortgage over to him in the event that they could not pay back their debt within one year. By the end of their agreed year, the family still was unable to repay their debt to Huang, who claimed that they had continued to lose money to him and now owed him in excess of 600,000 pataka. On August 4th, 1985, after the restaurant had closed for the evening, nine of Zheng's family 
were working busily inside the venue to ready it for the next morning. Bursting in unannounced in a fit of rage, Huang demanded that Zheng Lin pay up at least 30,000 pataka of his accrued debt. Zheng did not have the money, refusing to give up the title deeds to his restaurant as collateral. The situation quickly became violent. Huang allegedly smashed a glass bottle, holding it to the throat of one of Zheng's male family members whilst demanding the other eight tie each other up. He held him hostage that way for a while, only letting go to lunge at one of the girls who had wriggled free and had started screaming. He stabbed her in the neck with the broken bottle and killed her. One by one, Huang murdered the nine members of the Zheng family, using either his bare hands to strangle them or stabbing them with the sharp, broken bottle. When one of Zheng's sisters was seen outside the venue, Huang was able to casually lure her inside, where he murdered her as well. Over the course of eight hours, Huang dismembered and sorted the bodies into black bin liners, which he would then dispose of into the ocean or in the large dumpsters outside the restaurant. He lifted Zheng's wallet and keys from the corpse, deciding to spend the night at the family's nearby apartment, which is pretty fucked up as well. He put a note in the restaurant window that it would be shut for three days before retiring for the evening. The next day, a confused delivery man turned up to the late Zheng residence to find Huang was staying there. He told the delivery man, who became a key witness as the last person to see the family alive, that they had taken a trip to the mainland. A swimmer discovered eight human limbs, or parts thereof, on a nearby beach on the morning of August 8, 1985, four days later. Though it was initially suspected that they had belonged to a capsized boat of refugees who had been torn apart by sharks, forensic investigation confirmed that the cuts had been made with precise tools, not the jagged teeth of a large aquatic creature. See, like, this whole bit reminded me a lot of Dexter. And I was like, why didn't you just learn from Dexter? Go further out to sea, come on. Over the ensuing days and weeks, various body parts would wash up on the Macanese shores, believed by this point to belong to at least three different people. Meanwhile, following the three-day closure, Huang opened the restaurant and would go on to manage it himself for many months. He now possessed the title deeds and mortgage papers for the property after all, so not much more was thought of this than it being an asset given in lieu of a monetary debt. The restaurant was allegedly the maker of the most delicious char siu bao, which is barbecue pork buns. It is easy to see how locals would later speculate about the origin of these tasty baked goods especially given how not all parts of the Jung family's bodies could be recovered. Huang kept the business running for over a year until the police eventually identified all the limbs as being those of the Jung family. The police had been alerted to their disappearance by one of Jung Lin's remaining brothers. 
an examination of Huang's bank holdings showed that he possessed student identification documents belonging to the younger Zhengs, as well as Zheng Lin's own ID card. This was enough for the police to seek a warrant for Huang's immediate arrest. He tried escaping to the mainland once again, but was swiftly caught on the 28th of September 1986. He was tried and convicted of the multiple homicides of all 10 individuals by October 2nd of that year. Huang Jiheng committed suicide in prison on December 4th, 1986, after a full confession to the police, giving a detailed account of his crimes. Although it cannot be proven that Huang baked his family into his pork buns in the ensuing months after their murders, Hang on, I think you said, sorry, I think you said his family as if, he baked his family as if, as if they were members of his family. Oh, whoopsies. Sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, I mean, that would be extra mean. Okay, sorry. Thank you. Although it cannot be proven that Huang baked the family into his pork buns in the ensuing months after their murders, it cannot be disproven either. After all, what did happen to the rest of their bodies? And what made those pork buns so very tasty? Well, we'll probably never know. It does go to show, however, that Huang's supposed cannibalism disgusted, scandalized, and intrigued the Macanese in the exact same way that Sweeney Todd once did in England, despite taking place a century later in an entirely different continent. Ba-da! That was awesome, Jasmine. Uh, I don't know about you, Katty, but I'm I'm not really craving any Chinese food for a while. <laughs> oh no, I always want Chinese food. Uh, but yeah, no, so like that story apparently is super, super famous. I don't know if you'd ever heard of it, but it was like a big, big, big deal. And there were just so many rumors going around about it. And the guy looks very normal. He was like in his fifties, and and he looked just like any old random dude at the bookie. <laughs> there to make a bet on a horse you know but he was apparently quite angry um quite an angry man quite an angry man and i believe they found the last body part like the last item belonging to the family was mm-hmm. found in a bin in the in the late 80s so like 89 apparently like they just kept on washing up Jesus. all around macau and everyone was like oh my god is he back but it was just the same <laughs> it was just the same family so Sorry to break it to you guys. Oh, so awesome, Jasmine. And thank you so much, even though you've got a you've got a scratchy throat still. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry guys. I know I might sound a little bit like I've been smoking <laughs> a pack a day since I was twelve, but that's not true. It's only been since I was eighteen. So fuck off. Um no, it's fine. <laughs> eighteen. 18. Yeah. No. Um who knows? Maybe I can go to Macau and make my living as a lone shark and then murder a family of ten. And inherit a whole restaurant. I mean, actually, no, I can't do that because I I would have to quarantine for two weeks upon entering Macau and then three weeks coming back from Macau. (laughs) Oh, Jasmine. Yeah. Poor thing. It's the worst. I know. I think that it was an awesome story. I have no idea how he managed to get away with running the restaurant for a year (laughs) and wasn't caught. Macau is a shady, shady place, so I think 
perhaps in the mm. 80s it was so shady that literally everyone was like oh you know what mind your own business they owed him money no one questioned it yeah they're like whatever no one's seen them for a year no okay whatever that's fine why did why did he put their id in his bank holdings like why would you do that what kind of idiot like oh yeah just shove that in the bank don't need that right now like bitch that's what i would have fucking thrown it in the bin first torch that shit come on yeah can't even kill people right jesus get it together murderer seriously come on between this and the lady last week who was like terrified of a freaking toy train <laughs> yeah seriously i mean i get that like when these things happen you're set not in the best fire. frame of mind yes yeah, set it on fire set the little bitch on fire as catty said so eloquently in episode 40 well you said it about you said it about the train last yes I feel like now every episode we're gonna have to mention setting something on fire just to maintain mm. you know the trend um that was amazing Jasmine thank you so much and thank you all for listening we hope to have you back for next week's episode if you want to get in touch for any reason just to say hello or to send us a story of your own true paranormal or spooky experience, please email us at spookygalspodcast at gmail.com. You can also check us out on Twitter at spookygalspod and on Instagram at spookygalspodcast. If you want to support us further, then you can become a patron by going to patreon.com slash spookygals and from as little as $2 a month, you gain access to bonus episodes and other awesome content that we have planned for the future. Thank you all so much, and we'll see you all next time. Stay spooky. Bye Goodbye. bye. Oh, that hurt my throat. Damn. <laughs> You're so stupid. <laughs>